Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird here with Ron Fez Buddy. What is up, sir? Hello, hello. Hello. Three, three hellos for our third anniversary. <laughs> yes, happy birthday or anniversary, whatever you call it when it's not a person. I don't really know what we're supposed to say, but... And let's um, clarify, it's TPE's third anniversary. Derek and I yes, have not been not ours. together for yes. three years. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Uh, no, so yeah, three years, that's really... Weird to me. It's incredible that it's been that long. Yeah, three years, and um, and it really is getting better <laughs> all the time. It's it's just been so much fun. The great three years at TPE so far. Yeah, it's been amazing, and I, I, I have to say, I think the last year has probably been the best, like in terms of great content and just growth, and I don't know all that stuff. I think the last year has been a blast. So let's let's take a stroll down memory lane for uh, the listeners. Uh, let's do it. Let's <laughs> can you put that in, that sound effect in? I can find that somewhere. <laughs> or just put that, what I just did on a loop. Um, <laughs> yeah, so three years ago, um, what were you thinking as we were about to, to launch this thing? Um, well, there were a couple of things. One was, am I ever going to see that money again? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the who is the, the biggest who is this, I, this hustler out of New York that that made me put money into, yeah. into this thing. <laughs> There's actually two things I, I very I very mem- I very specifically remember thinking a lot about when the site first launched. The first thing was how cool it was every time we would get a new member. Yeah. Like every time somebody would sign up, I'm just like, oh my god, somebody just signed up for our website. Like that's so amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, after a while, that becomes a little more routine. But to, even to this day, I still get a little bit of excitement every time a new membership comes in. I'm always like, yes, cool. Um, but the other thing I remember thinking, and I think I mentioned this in, in maybe on Andrew's um, the podcast, the Thinking Poker Podcast. Yeah, by podcast. the way, if you guys haven't listened to Andrew Brokus' Thinking Poker Podcast, you should be. Um, it is uh, – if you like that, the fact that we talk strategy, you'll love his because it's, it's you know all strategy. And Derek was a guest talking about TPE on that yeah. that, that, that podcast. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and I, and I think I mentioned it on there. But I re- I remember thinking, how are we ever going to get this forum going? Because nobody's ever going to want to be like the first post. Yeah. You know, like I, I just remember thinking, there's no way there's ever going to be enough dialogue going to like get this thing going because somebody's got to get it started. Yeah. How many posts do we have uh, now? Uh, I think we're starting to approach fifty thousand posts yeah. now at this point. So it's been, yeah, it's been pretty amazing. But the, and you know, and the site really did take off much faster than I think any of us had ever anticipated. But there, but there was, you know, some times of uncertainty. But I, I think at the same time, we were both um, and everybody else involved in the company at that time were so excited about what we were doing that it didn't really matter all that much. Like I think we knew we were going to make it. A success because we just wanted it so bad. I, I mean, what, what do you what do you think, or what do you remember about that time? Well, I remember. Um, I mean, the work involved, right? It was a lot of work getting the site uh, started, and uh, for, so fortunate to have uh, aligned with Casey, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we didn't really know it at the time. Um, not only because Casey, you know, has continued to have success, although that's one of the biggest reasons. And we were talking to a lot of other, you know, lead pros, and I don't think anyone that we were talking to 
ended up having the success that Casey has had in those three years, right? I think that's pretty mm, safe to yeah. say, right? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think several of them are. Oh, we won't mention any names, though. So I think I, I think several of them are out of poker. Yeah, so we, we lucked out. We luck boxed on that one. Um, but he's also really great to work with and easy to work with, even if he's mean sometimes on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I still hold grudges on some of the hand history. But. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I just thought, you know, oh, this guy seems great, and you know, it's great to launch with someone who has a bunch of hand histories he can already review, and and. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it'd be a success from the beginning. Quite honestly, I I I just didn't have any doubt, and I loved. It was a lot of work, but I remember loving every minute of it. Just loving, yeah. loving, loving building it, and bringing it up, and still to this day. Um, although, as you said, there were some ups and downs, and Black Friday certainly was not fun for TPE. But I'm also <sighs> pretty happy with how you know how we handled that situation, and no panic, and no uh, no despair. We just kind of figured out what we had to do, and that's to me that's great business and. And, and and it wouldn't be – I don't think we would have been able to handle it as well if we didn't, you know, love, love the site and love doing it, so. Right. Yeah, it's um, – it, you mentioned all, all the work that went into it, and, and I think – I mean, we still put, obviously, a ton of time into, into TPE, but when I think back to those days, I remember many, many days where me and you would just be up until yeah. 3, 4, 5 in the morning, just, like, plugging away on – and you got to remember, like, when we when we first started this, um, we were doing everything, you know, from finance stuff to setting the company up to getting a PO box yep. to building the site. I mean, you built the entire site, um, you know, all the marketing stuff, starting, you know, creating content, podcasts. Um, and so there was, you know, yep. there was a never ending list of things to be done on the to do list. Yep. And we were just knocking them out, like at the weirdest hours yep. of the night. Um, but it was, all, you know, it made it all worth it, at, you know, midnight on. Um, the 16th slash 17th when yep. when we launched and because I remember think I remember that being the coolest moment yeah. for sure yeah and what's ironic is we've been in, in business twice as long post Black Friday than we were pre Black Friday that's the craziest thing yeah that's a good point <laughs> never thought about it that way yeah wow yeah so thank you to all um, the TP members um, we still have uh, you know when when you see renewals come in I still see people from you know month one still still members and still active in the forums. Um, we have the best community around, really do, best yeah. members. Um, I can count on one hand, you know, the negative interactions with customers we've had. Um, it's just been really positive. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll pat ourselves back a little bit. We're, we're really open, you know, to, to, to people writing to us, you know, any questions, any problems, you know, feel free. And, and, and we try to keep the community um, positive. Um, you know, we don't tolerate. And it really self-polices. There's really not much negativity in, in the forums, which is great for, for our members who, you know, many of them are, are seeking out a poker forum for the first time. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes our um, our moderators' jobs probably pretty boring, yeah. but <laughs> I think they'd rather it that way than yeah. the alternative, which is constantly deleting posts yeah. or, you know, giving people infractions or I don't know, whatever they do on forums where people don't behave. Um, we don't really have to deal with that. Yeah. So yeah, like you, I echo what you said. We definitely could not do it without our members and yep. they're pretty amazing. So what'd you get me? Um, it's in the mail. <laughs> um, actually, well, actually we should say this too. Uh, happy birthday to Casey Jarzabek, yes. which I don't ever remember his birthday being the day we launched, but obviously yeah, it is. I didn't realize that either, but yeah. Um, and he hit me up today, and he goes, dude, my uh, the present you sent me must have got lost in the mail. I haven't seen it. And I was just, I just responded and said, damn UPS. Uh, last, last I've talked to him yeah, today. Yeah, happy birthday, so, Casey. Uh, yep. yep. So uh, happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to TPE. 
And uh, I don't know. If, I'm sure there's somebody listening who it's your birthday too. So yes. happy birthday <laughs> happy to you. Happy birthday to you too. <laughs> All right. Enough, so, enough about um, TPE. How's yeah, uh, let's, things going? Let's talk a little poker. I, well, I know you played Foxwoods WSOPC right before I played Cherokee WSOPC. So how, how did how yeah, did Yeah, I, um, I played the, the first event one, the 365, and I played the main event, and I have nothing to report. It was the, <laughs> the most uh, – I, I, I did rebuy in the first one. I did not re- – uh, I played – Flight B on the second one. Um, I don't really even remember much of it. It was uh, hours and hours of, of folding and 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 nothing uh, in coolers or, or, or to, to report, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had one hand um, where I've analyzed it fully, and I would definitely want to bring it to the podcast at some point. Um, where I think uh, I probably made a turn bet that um, that I was repping. But basically, I repped the king came. It, I'll, I'll give you the hand really quickly. Um, we don't have to, you know, go too deep into it. Um, but I, I got, I opened up with I think 22 big blinds with ace eight on the cutoff, and I got called by, flatted by the button. Um, the flop was all low cards, I think two four six or something like that. Um, I bet uh, he called, and then a king came on the turn, and I, I, I let out, um, and he shoved on me, and. You know, in thinking about it, I know we talked about this. I thought about this really, really hard um, after I analyzed it. And I just don't think um, he's ever calling that shallow. He's ever calling my C-bet with something that's not willing to get it in um, later right. on. Um, so I think that was that was a mistake. I mean, I obviously folded and it didn't it didn't cripple me. I was still in the hand. But, you know, when you lose like 30, 40 percent of your stack, you know, it, 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 it when you're not that deep stack to begin with, I don't think I lost that much, but. But uh, that was really the only hand of interest. Everything else is, and, you know, and yeah, I, I definitely made a mistake there. But you know, it's hard to go through a poker tournament without making a mistake. You need to, right. you need to double up at some point, and you need to, you know, you know, flop a set or something to get some 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 chips, so you you know you have some room. Um, you just had nothing to report, so it was one of those boring. Yeah. You know, I hate when it happens. I've been crushing online, so it's like, you know, I mean, not that lock or or merge or or you know the, the winning poker network is is you know comparable to stars, but uh, you know I'm, I. I it, it, it's you know these two tournaments of the 200 I played in the month, right? It just so happens yeah. that's the most important and the most <laughs> interesting, and the ones I have to drive and I have to get on a boat to get to. I actually have to take a ferry from Long Island to Connecticut, so I get on, I get on a boat to go play poker, and then I sit there and fold for hours. So um, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, the, the, those tournaments are frustrating. Like sometimes in Vegas, in particular, I remember tournaments where you know you, you want to find a hand where maybe you could have done something differently or something like that, but you just Sometimes you just you just sit there and you never get a hand and you just yeah. fold all day. Or you never get spots, yeah. or right. you know. And then all of a sudden you shove king queen and you run into aces yep. or something. Like there's just nothing you can do about it. Yep. You can't really change any way you played it. So. Yeah. And then when you do get a hand and you you do something, I mean you've been folding all day, so you know everyone gives you mad respect and then you're just you know right. you, didn't get, you didn't get paid at all. Yeah. That's why I don't like to. I'm I'm starting to not like. I mean, definitely for Vegas for the World Series, I don't want to come in for a weekend and play two tournaments. I want to come for a longer stretch so that I get. You know, at least you know a couple of tournaments in, you know, four, five, six, um, able to play more consistently, and, and you know, not that six tournaments ever evens out variance, but at least it gives a shot to, to, to you know, to kind of smooth it out and 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 hopefully run good in one of them, um, right. and not just take two shots and go, you know. Yeah. Hey, what about you? I know you were your your uh, your your state had its first uh, tournament <laughs> series. Yeah, yeah, it was a great turnout. I. I I think we talked on the last podcast yeah. that, I, that I was going to this and that I was going to play two events, the main and then one 365. But there came a point like after, I don't know, I guess maybe two or three events had run 
um, in the series, and I was sitting around and I was telling my wife, I think we were at a dinner, and I told my wife, I'm like, I'm really having regrets about not going to the series earlier. I said, the fields are huge, the prize pools are great. Um, you know, I'm hearing that it's re- they're really soft fields, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, well, what do you do? Like, you, all you do is sit downstairs and work. Like, why don't you just go yeah. <laughs> get in the car and go? And I'm like, that's kind of a good point. Yeah. So literally the next morning, I just jumped in my car and drove over there. It's a four and a half hour drive. I hope, um, I hope you, um, I hope you, you get got your wife a present or something. What a, what a great thing. <laughs> what a great thing for her to say. Yeah, she's, uh, it, it, it was funny. It was tough too, because at the time we were fostering two dogs and we already owned two dogs. Uh-huh. So suddenly we had four dogs in the house. Um, <laughs> and so I left during that period, you know, with crying puppies. Yeah, and that's rough. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have a six and a yeah. four-year-old, so anytime I leave, it's like I'm, I'm leaving my wife alone with, in a battlefield, you know? Right. So yeah, you start to feel a little guilty. I do. I do start yeah. to feel guilty, especially after you, like, it, well, once again, I, I, I did all that to go and fold for hours. So then it's right. like, I really, you know, I left my wife alone with two kids who are active and running around and tackling each other. Uh, yeah. yeah. But that's great, and that's nice of her to yeah. do. So how did how yeah, the so, tournament yeah, go? Yeah, so it, it was good. It was, I, had, I had a blast. Um, Results-wise, it was not what I had hoped for. I made a couple of you know decently deep runs, but not into the money. Um, but I had a lot of fun. I met a ton of TPE members, which was cool. Um, got to hang with uh, – got to meet Loxie, who was super oh, nice. active in the forums yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so very, shout out to Loxie. He's always on the forums. Yeah, so it was good to meet him and, and met a few other people, um, had some – Drank some beers with folks, had some dinner with folks, so it was it was cool. Um, and you know the tournaments were good; they were super soft, as expected, which d- doesn't always mean you. <laughs> well, that was one of the questions my wife asked me when I got home. She's like, "Oh, so how'd it go?" I'm like, "Terrible, didn't cash a thing." She's like, "Oh, it wasn't as easy as you thought it was yeah. going to be." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, yeah. it was, but yeah. that doesn't always mean anything." Yeah, that's really annoying. Um, that's that's really fr- and that's, once again that was frustrating for me. It's especially with the fields being so bad. I mean. I think my my main event table was actually pretty good, um, and the guy that I was in that hand with I just described actually won tournament uh, player of the series. Um, mm-hmm. the final tabled four and won the last event. Um, there was a three hundred after three sixty five after the main, um, and so there were good players there. Um, but but for the most part, you know, in these things you get a bunch of you know idiots, and it sucks when you can't when you play a bunch of them and you, you know you can't can't do anything you know yeah yeah and, and there was some there was some crucial pots that had i won it would have been an entirely different yeah. trip That's, yeah. you know like i i played a satellite to the main which you know is essentially playing for almost seventeen hundred dollars and took a two-outer that would have pretty much assured me a seat based on where we were sitting a number of people left right. um had a couple other bad beats later but you know it's just kind of just kind of the way it goes but i I wouldn't change it. Like I, like I said, I had a great time. It was good to support poker in North Carolina. And they've, at the event, they announced that they had already decided to return next year. So, oh, did they? Um, yeah, so that was great. Um, so, yeah, so the future is the future's bright for North Carolina poker, and I'll definitely be there again next year. So I, what's I next? Uh, Vegas, right? Yeah, I'm going to chill for a while now. Um, you know, as you said, my, my wife was – pretty generous about that and she always is about that kind of stuff so i'm just going to kind of take it easy because i'll I'll essentially leave for for vegas in a month and a half and be gone for a month so um you know i'll play online i'll continue to play online a little bit but um but for the most part i'm just going to hang with family and i have a lot of stuff between now and and vegas too like my my wedding anniversary is coming up my dad's birthday is coming up my son's birthday is coming up so i just got a million things that i 
event-wise that I have to do between now and then. So it's going to be just kind of a good time of R&R before Vegas, yep. and then we'll, then we'll get back to work. So any, any events coming up for you? No, I think uh, the Vegas – I, I know you're going a, a couple of weeks into the, the – the, 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 what at the main – not the main event. You're going a couple of weeks into the World Series. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm going to go for that first weekend, and, and, and if – it's just an incredible – first weekend there's um there's a 1k or 1.5k every day for the first four days uh there are a couple of them are actually re-entries which is great i love re-entries if i'm gonna go out there i want to give it another chance you know um and then the one on the first saturday one is uh they're calling it the millionaire maker and um and it's guaranteed first place of one million which i think is going to draw a ton of people i necessarily don't like that because i don't you know i'd rather you know, I don't. I, I don't want it to be one million up top and then a hundred thousand for second, right? But um, right. But I think I think because of the one million up top, it's going to actually turn out to be you know, much more evenly distributed. It's going to be one million up top and like five hundred second or something like that, which is right. just fine and fair, you know. Um, so so yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm pretty excited about it. And our next turn, our next podcast will probably be a good uh preview show. So. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll talk yep. talk a little bit more about our plans there because we have we have some more things we got to work out there as far as like uh, you know we would like to do another meetup with TPE members and stuff like that. So yep. we'll start getting all those details together and, and let everybody know via the site and this podcast. So. Yep. Cool. Well, we got the, we got Chris Moon coming in, and uh, I know he's been anxious to come in because he's he's been having a, a good deal of success, and uh, and we've been anxious to get him in. So we finally were able to coordinate it and, and get it ready. So yep. I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Yep, always fun. Um, yeah, and I and I have a hand from one of my uh, from one of my tournaments that I wanted to, to run by him because he's played a fair amount of live poker, and he I think he plays in quite a few of these similar events mm-hmm. to this, he does. like you know the, the regional series and stuff like that. So I think. It'll be good. He'll be a good person to run the hand by. I'd love to hear his feedback. So I hope, I, hope we'll, he, uh, I hope he berates you, but I doubt he will. <laughs> He's probably not. Yeah. It won't be like Casey's style, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> so. Cool. cool. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick little break, and we'll bring in Chris Moon and talk a little strategy. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on the TV podcast. <laughs> Lose your mind there. If you are looking for the best MTG training site on the planet, look no further than TournamentPokerEdge.com. Tournament Poker Edge focuses exclusively on multi-table tournaments and features some of the best live and online pros. No waiting through cash game videos looking for the occasional tournament video. Tournament Poker Edge also offers strategy articles, forums, a member chat room, and much more. So visit TournamentPokerEdge.com and start taking your game to the next level now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in Chris Moon to talk a little uh, poker, a little strategy, and whatever else uh, he might have going on. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how's it going? Christopher. I gotta say, Chris, you have one of the most entertaining Twitter accounts of, of the people I follow. 
<laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you you crack me up. <laughs> You're, I, I I have like a couple of columns that I you know I I, I or lists that I group people in, and I have you in poker players. Which by the way, you cracked me up when I added you to that because you you thought I, I made a mistake. <laughs> I said yeah. I think I said something along the lines of like poker players might be a stretch or yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, but I also have an entertaining list. People that just think are entertaining. I, I you know I, I keep you in poker players, but I might I might put you in the other one too. <laughs> so definitely you should follow Chris. Chris, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? At the Chris Moon, T H E Chris Moon. Cool. Yeah, definitely follow Chris. He's uh, he's really funny. So so welcome back to the podcast. Uh, last time you were on, I believe um, we put on our our man pants or our big boy pants. Yep. Um, <laughs> still wearing them. Man pants. I, I see. Hasn't really been tweeting that often. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, someone made an. Uh, so if you if you listen to the podcast, uh, last time Chris came on, uh, I told about a hand where a guy uh, called me, but before he made a big call, but before he did, he said he's going to put on his big boy pants. Um, and then uh, a couple of days later, we saw big boy pants tweeting at us from, <laughs> from Twitter, and I don't know who it is, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so wel- welcome back to the podcast. Uh, how, how have you been? Uh, I've been doing really well. Online poker has been going really well uh, this year. Um, no real like live breakthroughs, but like I've been doing pretty well playing live, both in tournaments and cash. So, so far having the my best year on record, and it's only April. So hopefully it continues. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, you had you had one really big score recently, right? Like two three weeks ago. I had a really huge week. Um, last week I like in the same week I final tabled uh Micro Millions fifteen dollar event for like sixteen k. Nice. And. Uh, my final table is Super Tuesday, two days later. That's, or, a, that's, that's quite a difference in uh, buy-ins there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I satellite it in for like 109, I think it was, and then final tabled it for 21K. Nice. And then I final tabled the 530 the following Sunday for 42K. Wow, that's, wow. A, great, that's a great week. So, so how many runners were in the Micro Millions? <laughs> tens of thousands i think it was, it was ridiculous uh it was like i mean it was like a, almost like a screen filler i late reg i yeah, saw that yeah. it was running and it had been running for like an hour and a half and i was like oh well this would be a fun one to get in so i like late regged i bought i rebought or i did that the buy-in or whatever and then there was an add-on and i doubled up right before the add-on did the add-on and then was just like you know, I was paying attention to it, but not as hardcore until, like, I look at the screen and I'm like, holy shit, there's, like, 99 left. I should yeah. like, really start paying attention to this tournament. <laughs> they got, I mean, it was like it was like a like a micro-stakes tournament generally goes. Like, toward the end, it was incredibly uh, shallow. Right. But, I mean, everyone was just, like, folding to opens. So, just, like, the last, I don't know, like, 45, just, like, cruised right to the final table. and. Where, uh, where, yeah, I was going to ask, did anyone... I mean, were there any other names there, or what did you? And, and if not, did you spot anyone that you know? How many? How many people do you think really knew what they were doing? There was um, like one Russian who was figuring out that I was opening a lot, and just like I wasn't going to continue with anything when he or she or whatever three bet me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the way the final table broke out, I think I I looked up everybody, and like only two players were like winning players besides me. And wow, then wow. they killed themselves, like, ninth and seventh or something. Oh. Well, they both got in, like, some huge, massive, like, ridiculous flip, like, at the beginning of the final table as, like, chip leaders. Oh, oh wow. And the chip leader, like, spewed off his entire stack to, like, three or four different people and oh. was out in, like, seventh, so. Wow. That's good and for you. I'm happy. Second. Um, 
three-handed was like, I think three-handed took almost like 45 minutes, which I thought was really, really long for that tournament, mm-hmm. the way the structure was. And just, like, none of my CVS were getting any respect whatsoever and, like, finally got myself into, like, a good position when we got heads up. And then um, the same guy had just, like, I, had, I was running a HUD, which was probably my downfall, but the same guy was check-raising, like, 66% of CVS over, like, a 24 sample or something like that. And mm-hmm. heads up, I finally just got sick of it. <laughs> just three bets <laughs> jammed over with, like, ace high, and he flopped, like, top, top, and ah. that was pretty much the end of it. I have no idea how to interpret a HUD heads up um, in a tournament, at least. It's, well, this it, was—I mean, this was from just the final table because, right. like, first time we were at the final table, or first time we played together was at the final table, and yeah, so like he had check raised versus just me, like sixty-six percent of the time over like you know a couple hundred hand samples. So I—I mm-hmm. I just kind of got over it and then cost myself like six K heads up by three bet shoving. On like a jack four deuce board, I was like, "Hell no, you don't have it," and just shipped in, and sure enough, he did. So now, now, do you think he he knew that you? I mean, you're, I'm sure your play was good, and he could probably tell you know what you were doing. But do you think he was giving you respect of a professional, or like, do you think he was playing back at you in other spots because you probably? I'm, I'm maybe I'm extrapolating, and I'm getting too many levels here, but like you know, knowing that you probably have a skill edge, you don't you know early on, you don't want to get yourself into big flips, uh, you know, against other big stacks. Do you think he was taking advantage of that and, and playing smart in that way or just was just, you know, well, attacking you? I think you? the majority of the hands that we played against each other, the two of us were three and four-handed. Wow. So, so, yeah, so you can. So I think it was just like, I mean, even a cu- he could even still just be running like a couple standard deviations above the mean three and four-handed and actually have had it, sure, you know, sure. a good percentage of those times and, yeah. Or maybe he just never had it, and then that one time that I did yeah. something, he did. You never know, but yeah. yeah. Um, no, I don't think he was like assigning too good of a level to like you know I was playing re- I was a pro, and so he could do get away with X, Y, and Z. I think it was just yeah. kind of yeah. just how the cards ran, three handed or so. Yeah. So when I'm at a final table, I'm kind of trying to pick those things out. Like you know, I would I would totally say. You know, Chris here is not going to want to get into a, you know a big flip, you know against a big stack given his skill edge. But I'm probably, I, I think I level myself out <laughs> too often when it works. It it's perfect, like it's the perfect final table. But too often, I think I make a mistake or two um, trying to apply that. And I don't know if it's just trying to apply it too much or an error in assigning what what people are actually thinking and giving too much credit to people. I mean, we went from like not that particular final table. We went from nine handed to three handed in probably the same hour. So there wasn't too much time to like really think or make those kind of adjustments because it was like, you know, when first takes out second place in chips and they were far and away the chip leaders like that. And then he just spazzes his entire stack off to the rest of the table, like Robin Hood (laughs) style. Uh, I mean, that makes for like a shorter tournament, you know? So, well, great. And anything interesting happened in the, um, in the, the the Super Tuesday, I mean, how, what, are the, what was that tournament like? It was well, obviously Super a lot of Tuesday, Super Tuesday, I made like one kind. Of, I mean, like the Super Tuesday final table uh, was actually a lot more fun to talk about. There was a Hungarian pro to my left. His screen name's Pro Beers, P R O B I R S. Right. And I was watching the other table when the final two tables were going because I was just one tabling that tournament, and he's just going ape shit on everybody, like doing some of the most ridiculous things, like. Um, he was in a pot with second in chips at the time, and they both had, I want to say they both had over 100 bigs. Uh, that tournament's structured really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a like pot where 
someone limped, he checked back. Bob comes like Jack Jack Deuce. Um, small blind bets, he like raises like three X's bet. Guy calls, turns a deuce. Guy checks, he checks back. Um, River's like a non card, it's like a six or something. The guy bets and then Pro Beers over bet jams like ten X pot. <laughs> and the guy just like times <laughs> down for like two holds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the final table replay too, I don't know if it's still up. I think it actually might have gotten replaced already. But they replay them with all the hole cards open. Mm-hmm. So like when we got to the final table, we actually like after the fact we got to see all the dumb shit he was doing. <laughs> like there was one pot where the tightest player at the table had just doubled off me, and in a spot where I just like bluffed off in a bad spot. But um, he opened under the gun, got flatted by three people. It came ace, queen, like four, with ace hide uh, two diamonds, and the ace was a diamond. He C-bet, tightest player at the table, calls. Mm-hmm. They go heads up to the turn. It goes check, check. Diamond hits the river. Pro beers jams for that guy's effective stack, which is like two and a half X pot. And the guy just snap calls him with king high diamonds. <laughs> like, like <laughs> uh-huh. never expected anything else to happen. I don't really right. know what level he was on. Right. But then I actually, I didn't end up watching too much of the final table, the, the replay after the fact, but I was in a weird spot where um, Pro Beers under the gun opens my big line. The eventual winner, who is really good, um, calls the button. A tight player in the small blind calls, and I have fours in the big blind with like 18 bigs. Mm-hmm. And I know Pro Beers is opening like way less than yeah. fours for sure. And I'm just, I was kind of like, do I jam here or do I just like flat? And I, I decided to jam. And then I, later on, uh, someone sent me a picture of a, a friend's Facebook photo or someone something that they posted on Facebook, and they tagged whoever Pro Beers' real name is. And they said, nice hand. And they showed our hands at the final table replay with my pocket fours, like as I'm thinking of if I'm going to jam or not. And the Pro Beers open under the gun with 9-3 off. Holy shit. You know what? I <laughs> saw that on Facebook. Yeah. I didn't even realize that was you. I saw yeah. that. <laughs> so, so I'm the guy in the big blind with fours, like, oh, should I ship here? Yeah, probably should ship. So I ended up shipping, and everyone snap folds. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, picked up like eight or ten big blinds, like just jamming there, which was huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think I would have jammed. The gun has nine three off, like the biggest final table of the yeah. week, basically. <laughs> wow. But yeah, yeah. So like my strategy at that table was I came in like I think I came in like seventh no, I'm actually that table, I came in like fourth in chips of nine. And with him to my direct left, my strategy was just like fold everything that's a non premium until some sort of like ship chip like some shift in the chips happens because yeah, exactly. He's just going to, like, own my soul all day, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to, for ICM purposes, I'm just going to leave, you know, I'm going to stay out of as many pots as I possibly can. Yeah. And that's basically what happened until I, like, I blinded down to, like, 18 bigs and Ray's called ace-queen of spades and uh, eventual winner of the tournament had aces. Ah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all all that happened at that table. Cool. It must, be, must feel great. To, to be coming off a week like that <laughs> that's just like you know that many scores in, in one time period is kind of dizzying huh yeah i mean the, i've been playing a lot better I've, like the results have shown it too like i in that time i took 13th in the big 109 i um final table like a small rush tournament on tilt so like my play is like i've been working a lot harder on it since i got back from cpc playing live trying to like you know tinker my online game like watching as many videos as i can um 
doing the video series with Daryl Jace was a big eye opener too, because he does a lot of like quirky things with 15 to 21 big blind stacks that I was never yeah, doing. Yeah. And like, that's been a huge difference too. Like getting to the, um, getting to the final table of super Tuesday pretty much happened solely because of some stuff that I picked up from Daryl. I would have yeah. just jammed or folded, you know, if someone opens my big blind and I have like 18 bigs and there was a big hand that I played where I actually like, he opened a two X, I made it like 4.25 X and then see bet the flop and then jam the turn that I never would have done. I would have just jammed pre-flop and probably like, right. I mean, if I would have jammed pre-flop, I would have had like eight high, probably gotten called by like ace high and just like run it out and lost. And that would have been my whole tournament. Yeah. But, his, uh, his videos often put me in situations where I'm not quite, it's, 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 it takes me, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like something that, that feels standard to me. So it make it stretches my mind a lot. It makes me think a lot more, you know, than, than, than just watching, you know, you know, normal videos. He, he, he makes me, he does things that just really, I won't say confuse me because at the end of the day, they, when you think about them, they, they make a lot of sense, but they're, they're interesting because they're, they're not very standard. Like he's picking up on those, those, those pockets of opportunity that maybe you miss you know, from not exploring the situation from all sides. Yeah, and, and like not to mention too, like in that in that video, like you'll see that I said it a bunch of times too, like, oh, this is probably a multi-tailing mistake, like just clicking yeah. a button that I didn't really, I just clicked a button and, you know, press bet. And like he makes you think really critically about the sizing that you're doing and like what you're trying yeah. to accomplish with the sizing yep. and like how can you do it better. Right. And that's been a big deal too, like just like a little minute adjustment from 15 to 21 bigs has been a big difference, and then his bet sizing has been a lot big difference too, and like that's all it takes. <clears throat> yeah, I actually watched that video um, on the way to the the, the, the Foxwood Circuit event, um, so I, I I recall that you know the, the sizing conversations and and paying attention to that. So it was really interesting. Cool, Chris. Have you have you? I know you've been doing a lot of coaching and stuff mm-hmm. recently. Are you finding that that's helping your game yeah, to a great degree, too? It makes me think really critically about, like, why I'm telling someone to do something. Because it's one thing, you know, if I'm just considering things on my own and, you know, if I do something stupid or if I'm not, if I'm not like, playing very fundamentally sound, like, the only person that it affects is me. But now when I'm coaching people, I don't want to give really bad advice because not only is it affecting someone else, but they're also like paying me for their time and for my time. And so I would, I kind of like, it makes me think just a lot more critically about why I would do something and why I wouldn't do something and like the advice that I'm giving. And so, yeah, yeah that, and it, it also too, like, even if it's not your own hand histories, it makes you sit down and like do a hand history review for one of however many times you're doing coaching each week. So mm-hmm. um, that's an improvement too. Like if, even if you're not, looking at your own hand histories critically, you have to be looking at someone's to do it. So, uh, yeah, that, that is like proven to be like a big help too, I think. And like my students have been doing really well lately too. So, um, it's just kind of like infectious. Like when I was down swinging in late 2012, I mean, we were doing the, the podcast and we had talked about like all the other things that I was doing that was like kind of taking me away from poker. Yeah. And yeah, like down swinging was one of them for sure. But like I have two or three students right now that like are emailing me like every other day, like when's the next time we can do one? You know, I really want to like, they're, they're playing for fun. Essentially. They just don't want to, they want to get better at it. And so that's right. like really infectious where it's like, you know, 
poker is like really fun when you get down to it and that's like why we started playing in the first place like you know it's not all it's not all bad so why not why not play some more and like learn some more and try and get better so it's kind of inspiring at the same time too yeah Yeah, anytime i'm i'm down on poker or down swinging i always just take say you know what let's not look at poker as a money-making endeavor for a little while let's look and, and and maybe you know i'm not a pro and i it's it's a it's a passion but not a not a job for me it's a side thing right but maybe i could do this but i look at it as let's approach poker as you know a lifelong game and something that i love and something that i want to learn and get better at and 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 work on certain things and when i do that i mean the game my game gets better i enjoy it and eventually you know i find myself in the whole grind mode again um back to what i was feeling but i i think i i think it's a really healthy attitude to to take poker and look at it as something that you know as as something that you want to you should be con- you know consistently trying to improve i it's, it's really healthy for your game and and, and your progression yeah, I totally agree. And um, of late too, like I've I've wrapped up like a lot of the other side projects that I had been doing. So I have had like this time to just you know come to Windsor, sit down like in front of a computer and like make myself like break down numbers and do math and like do equity calculations and like actually put in the hours. So right. Um, yeah, it's good. It, I was kind of thinking a lot to myself today too. It's like good to come and come over here and. Just put myself like basically in like a cave for like, four hours straight and just like play, 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 review, 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 and like get better. So, so can we talk about that? What, so can you um, explain to the listeners what your setup is? You know, obviously you, you're from Michigan. Um, so you're a U.S. based player who was affected by black Friday, but what's your border uh, situation? How do you, how do you go about playing? Oh yeah. We hadn't talked about that yet. Um, I, so I'm only like 20 minutes away uh, my parents' house is only like 25 minutes away from the U.S.-Canadian border. Um, and the beginning of last year, I had moved back into that house, um, pre- preparing to move out so that we could go across to Canada. So we landed on Windsor, um, which has been like a really nice um, middle ground where like I needed to move for poker for sure mm-hmm. you know and as fun as like Costa Rica and Mexico sounds like all my family's here and yeah. I didn't think I could like move to Costa Rica and then just be cut off from like my you know three best friends in the world and my parents and you know family so yeah. um yeah. we we landed on Windsor uh which has been a good middle ground because it allows me the freedom to come over here and put in like a couple weeks in a row here but if I want to go back across the border to you know, like see some friends or like go back to like a show in Detroit or go see a hockey game or something. I can still do that. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you, you know, do you go back for like, will you go have dinner at your parents and then go back and grind, you know, that night? Or is it more like, you know, no, you're going to go back for like days at a time. Cause it's still right. kind of like a pain in the ass to go across the border. Okay. Um, like it, right. it generally, there isn't, there isn't like too much stress involved, but just like the fact of like, Oh, I got to prepare, like get up, excuse me, got to like pack and, cross and then it is still like a 20 minute drive or 25 minute drive like up the highway to get back to my parents so yeah generally i'll go and like stay for a weekend or, and then come back on a sunday or something like that and what was it like setting that whole thing up did you had you spent time in windsor did you was it easy to you know get you know i don't know if you have residency there or or you're i don't even know what what you do there if you're allowed to go without residency or, or not like yeah, can you explain what that's like 
Yeah, we don't have residency. We're, we're considered um, the same thing as like a tourist visitor, but the difference is like we're not allowed to stay longer than six months at a time or six months out of the year, I think it is. Okay. Um, so that question comes up a lot when we're crossing. They'll take a look at my passport and be like, well, where's your Canadian residency or what's your status here in Canada? And the answer is just like the, the answer I blurt out or like robotically respond with at this point is just like, Oh, I'm not a Canadian resident. I don't need extra residency as I don't stay here longer than six months out of the year. And right. uh, I think the word I say is like my primary residence is in Sterling Heights, Michigan. So like that's the answer I give. There doesn't right. need to be like an extra um, residency. And that's like what the experience has been with all the poker pros that I know that moved here too. So do you ever get hassled, you know, going across, coming back? Yeah. Um, some like at the beginning too, there was a lot of people that hadn't heard that there is such a thing as like playing poker professionally. <laughs> so, um, you know, they'd be like, you can't play poker professionally. It's just a game. Like you can't, it's like blackjack and you have to kind of like explain like, no, it's like different than like going to a casino and like playing blackjack. Um, and we got hassled too. Cause like, uh, my friend George is Albanian and his name is spelled G J E R G J. So, like, a white guy from the American side reads that passport and can't say the name, yeah. and it's like, instantly we're getting flagged. Yeah. Like, and that, when I cross with him, that's always the case, so there was one. Yeah, I was actually, I was reading a thread today, I think on 2 Plus 2, about some people who were saying that it's becoming more and more difficult going back and forth. Like, they're getting questioned more, they're getting, you know... I guess the, the old get out of your car, we have some questions for you is <laughs> happening more. Yeah, I was um, on a streak where I wasn't at, uh, you know, I'd go back like two to three times a month and I was I didn't get asked like maybe like 15 times in a row. And then the last two or three times I've gone, I've had to like come out and count cash or like, because they'll ask you like, you know, are you carrying more than 10K in cash? No. Okay, how much cash do you have? You'd like say a number. If it's anything north of like $1,000, they want you to, step outside and like go into the customs and then like empty your pockets. And then they have like someone counting in front of you to make sure that you're not lying about it. Right. right. Um, so that's kind of like, I think that's like the biggest pain in the ass, but the, the perk has been like the full timers at the, at the tunnel. That's the way I cross is the tunnel. They'll like, they remember hearing like, Oh yeah, I'm going across to play poker professionally. It's not the same as like, Oh, I'm an accountant or like, you know, um, like they, like the profession itself sticks out in their mind. So they'll be like, Oh yeah, I had you last week or whatever. Go ahead. Right. 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 Once, once you, once you, uh, you seem trustworthy, they, they get used to you with, they, they're just more automatic with it, I guess. Yeah. Especially on the yeah. Canadian side. Like when you're coming to the Canadian side, they're a lot more lax about it, but like the pain in the ass is coming back to the American side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's weird because so much of this must be due to 9-11 because I, I used to live in Michigan and I can remember crossing over to Canada all the time and it was just, it was almost like going to the, the city next to you. Like, it was not a big deal at all. They would just say, what's your name? Why are you here? You'd be like, oh, I'm just visiting. I'm like, all right, go on through. We were actually, like, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. My family and I went to, like, Toronto for, like, vacation and then 9-11 happened. And then coming back, we came back like shortly thereafter, after 9-11. Uh -huh. So we were on the Ambassador Bridge and we were there for like two hours because they were checking every single car top to bottom for like all, everything, you name it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, three or four questions and then like, all right, go ahead. It was like armed guards, you know, armed border patrol going through every single car. So, yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned that.
maybe. Yeah. Not. Changed everything. Yeah, and then I, I haven't even been back since the whole thing in Boston the other day, so I can't even wait for what that's going to yeah. be. Like. Yeah. Everyone, was saying, everyone that I talked to like regularly was saying the border was a pain in the ass because they came and went that day. So everyone was like, you know, on extra high alert that day too. So yeah, I imagine. I'm going to uh, going back tomorrow. I'm going to go see. Do you guys ever seen Super Troopers or Beer Fest? I've seen Super Troopers. Uh, yeah. Jay Chandrasekhar, the director of both those films, the he's the brown guy. Uh-huh. They call him in Super Troopers. Uh, <laughs> I go see him do stand up tomorrow. Actually. Oh, so nice! Kind of looking forward to that. Nice, nice. That'll be awesome. Cool. And you've been uh, you've been playing live a bit too, right? Yeah, I played Chicago Poker Classic. I think it was in February. Honestly, like early February or late February. Um, I did okay there. I actually did a lot better playing five ten there than I did playing tournaments. Um, they had like a really interesting format. I think it's like actually pretty terrible for like poker economy as a whole. But they had like a three fifty like six day ones, and you could re-enter as many times as you wanted up to a certain level on day one. But the the catch was, if you day twoed more than once, you would take your biggest stack. You wouldn't be able yeah. to combine them. But if you day two once and then you day two again, they'd give you a $3,000 bonus for every extra day two. So there was a lot of people that were playing for that. Like right. um, a friend of mine, Carter, Beyond Dash 22, I think like day twoed it like three or four times and made like 12 grand just day twoing. Wow, I'm trying to figure out the economies of that. That seems so out of whack. It oh. seems pretty terrible, I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, not to mention it was 300 plus 50, if I recall correctly. And, um, you know, there's people multi-entering like four or five times a day for six days. Like, it's like playing like 30 tournaments all at once, you know? So, yeah. no, I think it's terrible for it. Um, I only played that, I played that twice. I played it first day, didn't day one, or didn't day two. And then I day two the second day with like what I thought was an adequate stack. Mm-hmm. Then I just figured my hourly playing 510 would be better than the random variance of playing for 3k payday every day for the rest of it. So, yeah. 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 Cool. So what, um, I believe you said you have some hands that you wanted to discuss, right? Usually we, we have some hands, uh, and I know Derek has one and I have one, but, um, I'm curious, uh, to, to hear about this hand that you, uh, you, you found pretty interesting. Yeah, there was, um, I had, like, tweeted that I, there was some fun ones from CPC. I don't really, like, remember or have them on me, but I do. I did have one from the Sunday 5.30 last Sunday, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, like, I think it's kind of more fun as, like, what would you do type mm-hmm. deal instead of, like, here's what I did. Right. Um, so it's a Sunday 5.30. It's you in the small blind and someone you have some extensive history with in the big blind. Mm-hmm. And... Like, the most relevant history I could tell you is that I he opened the button when I was in the big blind in a whole different random other tournament. There was, like, a lot of chat that happened after, so, like, I know he remembers. He opened my big blind. I just three-bet to try and take it down with 8-3 suited. <laughs> he calls. It comes ace-4-5 with my backdoor suit possibility. I barrel. He calls. Turn is a brick, I barrel, he calls, and then the river, I hit my wheel, mm-hmm. and I overbet, and he calls with kings. Mm. 
so then I scoop that, and then he talks a bunch of shit about how terrible I am and everything. And so, like, I know that, like, we have some history beyond that, but also that one as well. But anyway, he's in the big blind. So wait, he never he never raised. Wait, so I'm trying to remember that. Hand. So he never raised once in that hand. He no, he didn't four bet me pre because he was trying to. I guess he was probably just trying to trap. But then it okay. came to high board, so he just tried to bluff catch it. Okay, he, right. Okay, so you were in position on that one, and he opened you three bet. Wait, I was he, out of position. You're out of position. Okay, you opened. Yeah, he was three on the bet. button. I was in the big blind. Okay. And so he tried to bluff catch kings, and he did correctly on two streets, and then I, I sucked out on the river <laughs> and over bet and got called. Gotcha. Okay. So. Um, so the hand in question, it's at the 501k level. Uh, Let me ask you another question. Sorry about the history. Do you think he thinks you're bad or do you think he yeah, just... Yeah, I think he okay. thinks I'm terrible. Okay. All right. That's, that's important. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and this is like, I think that actually was in, if that wasn't in Super Tuesday, we did play in Super Tuesday. I know that for a fact. So... And is he, is he a pro? Is he, is he, do you know him otherwise? He's a winner according to Shark Scope. I don't think he's particularly good, but maybe that's because I know he doesn't think I'm particularly good. I have him marked as a reg fish, okay. but he shows up in a lot of tournaments that I play, especially like the higher stakes ones. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name like per- particularly. I remember his avatar and that he's from the UK. Okay. I think his okay. name is like James A-T-H, like J-A-M-E-S-A-T-H or something like that on stars. But anyway, he's the villain in the big blind. You have 34 bigs at the 501k level, and he covers by like 12. I think he has like up to 50 bigs. You have jacks in the small blind. So I guess I will just like go to the. I'll just like tell the preflop action because I think that's pretty standard, and then we'll go to the flop. So and what stage of the tournament are you? I know you're 501k, but are you near bubble? Are you? No, we're nowhere near the bubble, and we're not in the money either. Okay. I don't think. Okay, so it's just um, regular. Okay. So I open to 2.2x, he defends. Uh, flop is queen, queen, four with two diamonds, and we have the jack of diamonds if it's relevant to you. Mm-hmm. What is your plan of action on this board, out of position? Queen, queen, four. Out of position. I, I mean, I'm going to probably bet here for value since I think he's going to call me with lower pairs. I'm not going to assume he has a queen, even if he calls. Um, I mean, I hate to play a big pot out of position, but I think we probably get a couple of streets of value here from all wor- many worse hands. And so I'm probably going to try to put some money in the pot. Not, not, not. You know, I want to get into a you know a, a huge pot, but I think I can get. I definitely see bet here and, and maybe play it safe on the turn, and you know maybe play a river for value. That's, that's how I'm starting. That's how I'd start thinking about the hand. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, I think I kind of agree, especially thinking further, thinking further ahead into the hand. By c-betting here, we're probably going to get the check behind on the turn, not blow up the pot too much. So I went for uh, twenty-four hundred until like I think it, the pot was like fifty-two hundred. Uh, he just like instantly calls, turns a six of hearts, putting two flush draws out there. So it's mm-hmm. queen, queen, four, six. Hearts and diamonds. Mm-hmm. So then, what do you? What's your plan of action on the turn? Pots like, let's say the pot's like ten point one. I think it was on the turn. Um, I'll, I'll go first here on this one too. I, I would probably. I don't want to get raised here and, and make this a, <clears throat> a big pot, especially since I think he's going to raise a lot of the. If he does have either the two draws, so I'd probably just check and take the risk of um, something happening on the river, and but still call a river bet could give him a chance to bluff at it. Derek? Yeah, I think I agree. I, I, if I'm villain, 
that's how I think I would play pretty much my entire range. Like, I would check, I would just check call, if I'm going to make a play at the pot with, with nothing, especially not a queen, I think I would play it by check calling the flop and then check raising the turn. Like, I just see, I don't know, that, that seems like a line of attack that somebody would take here. So I, I think I would check behind pretty well, I, much I think, Chris, you're first to act. You're, you're first to act, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, so Chris is first. Oh, act. I'm sorry. Okay, act. sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, all right. So then I yeah, so it, then if I'm him, then I'm going to raise the turn when you right. when you double barrel. So yeah, I I think I would check to bluff catch. Do you think there's still value in putting in a bet? I, I do uh, think there is value. I it dep- I do think you're going to get called by a smaller pair too. Um I'm just worried about him raising. Although I guess I'm pro- I mean, I don't I guess if you bet and he raises, I'm. Pro- I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm, I don't think I'm gonna fold here, given the history and given the, the the, you know, the positions that you played this hand from, um, and what's on the board. Um, but I, I don't want. I don't think I want to invite that variance at this at this point. I think I'd just rather check call or check check and take my chances on the river with a you know a smaller river size bet, especially if something comes in on the river. If you bet and he calls and something comes in the river, and then you're probably checking. And calling, you're still putting in a bet um, either way. So I, that, I think that's what I that's what I would do. I'd probably just check the, the the turn. Well, like one thing that's been a big difference in my game lately too is like I was never really stopping and thinking of in like terms of the the recent Broco series where mm-hmm. it's like you range his hands into like three different categories. Yeah. Right. Does he have a mo- like how many monsters does he have? How many like marginals and draws or like how much air does he have here? And so, like, I don't think he has almost any monsters except, like, Queen X and Flop Boats. Um, but, like, I think a lot of his Queen X, like, three bets me pre. I think, like, his King Queens, his Ace Queens, three right. bets three. So we have Queen Jack, like, pretty much blocked. So he doesn't have a lot of Queens in his yeah. range. Um, yeah, I didn't even, like, uh, Queens aren't even in my head at all, right? It's like I'm not even thinking about a Queen. I just don't, to, to your point, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think there's there's many... Yeah, so if you tra- if you like throw queens out the window for the most part, like in giving yourself some room to like reassess that read later, um, I think like all of his range becomes like marginal hands with showdown value or some draws, and all of those both those hands I want to charge to see the river. Okay, fair enough. So I went for like I think I went for like fifty four seventy five into like ten point one on the turn, mm-hmm. and I got called. Uh, the board runouts just so perfect. Okay, so then you have, I think I have 20, I want to say I have 28 remaining into 22, or like 26 remaining into 22, somewhere in there. Rough, the rough, we have like roughly a pot size bet left, but I know we have more than a pot size bet left going into the river. And the mm. river's a queen. <laughs> so it's queen, queen, four, six, queen, all draws missing. So this is, like, the part that I thought was, like, the most fun part to talk about, because I, I probably sent this to, like, more than a dozen people. Like, what's your plan of action on the river? So repeat that again. You have 26 remaining? You have, like, yeah, let's say we have 26 bigs remaining, and there's 24 in the pot, 22 in the pot. We have more than the pot for sure, but it's, like, really close to one-to-one. I would think because of dynamics like you said, with the history between you guys, I think you're going to get called by a ton of smaller pairs. And maybe even by some ace highs, actually. Like, so to me, I'd want to get 
value, but I, I just think he's calling any bet. Like, I think I mean, you might as well just shove the river, I think. And I think he's checking behind a lot here. <clears throat> um, I, 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 I don't think he thinks he's going to get you to fold too much here. I think he would think that you take the initiative and bluff, um, mm-hmm. go three barrels. And so I think he's going to, for a lot of his showdown stuff, which is, which is a lot of hands have showdown value, as Derek said, I think he's just going to check behind um, mo- almost all of it. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he's going to check behind a lot of it. Um, and I think you probably still get more, you know, if we did it mathematically, you'd get more, you, you, I think you'd make more money just betting here um, than getting him to call or bluff or, or try to get value from you. So it's not like Derek was saying overbet shove. What, yeah. What's your sizing on the river? Oh, I would, um, I don't think, like, if he has a pair of fours, but I guess does he, is he going to just flat you with fours pre? Um well, he doesn't really have to have four four now. He could just have a four, and that's a full house now. Oh, I was just thinking, I was just giving himself a, giving him a small pair. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a, a, a boat. I'm trying to think what he would do pre flop with um, with a pair because that's the that's the hand I'm trying to target here, the most. Um, what do you think he does pre with a, with a, with, a, with a pair? I think like a lot of pairs get in with me. I think like up to like eights plus get in with me um, pre flop. Yeah. Yeah. Just given the way that we play each other. Yeah. Um, but so the one, the one thing that made it pretty close was he has a lot of like just complete brick draws in his range there. Like the fact that it goes, you know, two flush draws, the backdoor one and the yeah. flush door one both miss a lot of argument. I never told anyone the results when I asked them. So the one point that came up a lot with a lot of pros was, well, he has a bunch of missed draws, and, like, he could have, like, ten high diamonds and just, like, fold to a bet on the river, but what if you check to, like, yeah. try to induce? So, like, is there value in that? Yeah, I guess I'm trying to figure out, does he have what, does he have showdown hands or draws here? That's the, as you said, that's the deciding factor. And if he has a lot of showdown hands, betting is great. If, I mean, this is pretty fundamental stuff, but if he has a lot of, a lot of draws, you're right. I mean, he's going he's gonna to bluff it. But can he really... Can he really pull off a bluff against you with with the the queen hitting and no none of the draws hitting? Like what what bluffs are you going to buy credibly? That's like if you, if I'm sitting there in his shoes, I can't see you buying any bluffs at this point since none of the draws came in. Yeah, I think that since the queen hit the river, it being like probably one of the safer cards in the deck for me. Yeah. Um, I think like brick draws, I might not even go for it. I agree. They might just give up and say, forget it. He's got a, you know, he's probably got a pair of eights or sevens or something like that. And just kind of, I think my plan of action would have like been a check to bluff catch does the, if the river comes like anything that's even like remotely more scary, but like the fact that it's just like the safest card in the deck, I can't imagine that he thinks he's getting me to fold anything. Yeah, I agree. That That's, 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 that's exactly what I'm thinking sitting in his shot in his shoes so yeah and then the big problem is there's a lot of hands in his range with showdown value like Derek brought up like ace high has like a fair amount of showdown value here and i think like all those hands with showdown value like anything less than like pocket eights probably just snap checks back and like just tries to go to showdown so yep yeah six if he somehow has a six in his range that just checks back like a four on the plot checks back yep and like the only thing like when i check to that will probably bet would be like with I mean, a queen would definitely bet if he has one, but, um, you know, he almost never has a queen here either. So, like, all the ace highs check back, all the fours and sixes and stuff probably check back. So, um, I went for the overbet jam. 
Yep. I like it. I was instantly called by Ace Five High. <laughs> Derek nailed it. Wow. Huh? Nice job, Derek. Yeah. So that was a fun one. Like I said, I think that was like the hand that like marked me, like had me mark him as more of like a ragfish, just like, yeah. I don't know. If he ever thinks I'm like over about jam, like if I show him like Ace Nine there, he loses. Yeah. So like. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we, you don't have King Queen. I mean, King Queen. He can't be King Queen, right? He can't be Queen Jack. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, even if he like, even if he knows for a fact I never have a queen there, like I would play a queen the same way. But even if he knows for a fact I don't have a queen there. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is the, the the range that you're opening pre that 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 ace five is better than, you know, like how, what can, what non pair is he, how many non pairs is he better than right now? You know, there, there, there's only the aces. Um, there's, there's, I guess there's a lot of Kings, but there's, but a lot of those, king, you know, you have King queen, King, the King queen is attached to a queen. There's no queen, um, combos that you're opening pre that obviously he's ahead of. And no. Jack queen is, you know, I mean, Jack 10, maybe, you know, if you're, but but that's you know you're playing like taking such a high variance line and it's just there's so many there's so little that that ace is ahead of which is you know just insane. Yeah. Wow. I was starting to kind of starting to think to lead more towards the idea of maybe just betting small and letting him spew. But in a way, I think we give him the most chance to spew by yeah. overshotting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Think he ever like yeah. aces over a. a third barrel and then he just like tries to call it for as little as he can so yeah and if you remember from andrew's series when trying to figure out how much to bet um value bet it's you know err on the side of of bigger right mm-hmm. <laughs> that was another thing going through my mind as you know as you were trying to figure out doing the river if i if i think i'm good here um i think i could probably get more from him because he'll call you know an overbet shove as opposed to you know you know maybe 10k he might still call the shove just as much as he would call 10k. So that yeah, was cool though. Yeah, I like that hand. Interesting. And th- so then, did he berate you after he called? No, was, <laughs> I, I don't think there was any chat that one. But you know, one thing I've been doing lately too is I've just been like moving the Poker Stars um, client to like the info tab and like never seeing the chat yeah. going on. And I think that's like better. Yeah, <laughs> I do that when I stuck out on someone for sure. Well, not even that. It's like all the time, so that I don't engage in like yeah. any like shit talking back or anything. Yeah. It's yeah. still really hard for me, even like you know. I, I think I'm getting like more mature, especially playing poker. But it's still really hard for me. Like if someone talks shit, you know, and I don't think they're very good for me to like not talk shit back. Yet. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just like avoid that. That uh, I just like avoid that altogether by just not having the chat like open yeah. and like, being able to see it. So. Yeah, a lot of people say that um, are doing that. Uh, a lot of pros, I, you know, I talk to are, are just not not engaging. Um, which actually brings up an interesting point about um, uh, there was a thread on two plus two about you know regulars just not there's no chat in the games at all, um, and it's not as inviting for you know people who are recreational players, um, which is a valid point. Uh, if there's you know if, if you get the guys who come on and you know. I mean, I'm not sure you're going to see too much in the 5:30, but in the you know the the 10, the the $33 um, tournaments, you get guys who want to chat just because they're like kicking back and having fun, and no one's talking back. It does kind of make the game less fun for the uh, for the recreational player. Which you know you what? You kind of like bring up a point though that I kind of wanted to talk on too is like my friends have you know with the success I've been having lately, my friends have been like, oh, that's really cool that 
you know, you've done well in such big buy-in tournaments with, like, some of the toughest fields in the world. And I kind of, like, tend to disagree that those big tournaments have the toughest fields in the world. And, like, the majority of the players that I've been playing against have been, it's really polarized between, yeah. like, super elite, like, best-in-the-world pros and just complete fish that don't want to play, like, a 109 on a weekday. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't find any interest unless they're playing like the biggest one, like the biggest 1K or like right. 530s. You know, it doesn't really interest them to try and go through a field of like 7,000 people. They'd rather just play like, you know, the one with a couple hundred and see how they do, and that's it. So like, I, I noticed that my my tables, like with the icons that I've been putting together, it has a lot more of like polarization between like green for fish and red for like the biggest winners in the world. Right. So, yeah, there's still, like, you know, it's still a tough field, but, like, toughest in the world, I think, is kind of, I think that's, like, a little bit too hasty of a conclusion. Like, I think, um, like, a tournament like the Big 55, you'll see, like, a lot of people who are playing professionally and they, like, grind, like, you know, hundreds of tournaments a week. But I think the the tournaments that I've seen, like, the bigger buy-in tournaments, I've been noticing that it's either people who play, you know, for fun that play like really big tournaments and that, you know, their ABI is like $700 and they're right. huge losers at it. Right. Or it's like people who, who their ABI is like $500 and they're huge winners at it. So right. Right. Uh, it's, it's certainly more polarized, but not necessarily like only the best in the world. There's still like a lot of spots in those tournaments, believe it or not. So what, what about later on though? I'm going to guess it's, it's, there's not that many spots when you get deep. Yeah. Later on. I mean like, you know, it's mostly better players, but they're still, you know, like in any tournament, there's like the Darwin moons that find their way to the end somehow. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so, but I think also too, that, um, the way I play kind of works toward playing like better players anyway. Cause I try to like think like a better player. So like, how are they thinking? Like what things can I get away with? And I kind of like smaller buy-in tournaments. Like, I do terrible in the Sunday storm. I don't think I've ever even gone remotely far in like the big 11 or the <laughs> Sunday storm, like ever. And it's because, I, like, try to assign meta and stuff to spots where there just really isn't in, like, a lower buy-in field, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah. I actually find that I, like, do a lot better in the fields where the players are a lot better, and I think it's just because I think on a level that, that helps me exploit, like, a better player better than, like, a worse player. Right. Like, all my live, my good live runs have been in, like, the WSOPC circuit, like, 1Ks that, you know, it's only, like, a field of, like, 200 players and they're all really good mm-hmm. it's not really like like playing those 350s or like the 500s where it's like a lot of like recreational players so yeah um yeah i don't know maybe that's just like maybe that's just like part of the reason too but also i i totally disagree that they're like the toughest fields in the entire world they're, they're tough but they're not they're not that much tougher than I think. Like the sun, well, no, Sunday Million would be a bad example. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think? Like generally, the toughest fields are, like, on a weekly basis. Well, yeah, online the the toughest field, online probably still is that that one K. But I just wanted to like say that, you know, people say that's like wow, that must be like impossible. It must like I think people kind of equate it to playing like a super high roller, and I right. kind of I tend to disagree a lot. I mean. Right, still right. spots in the tournament. It's just like, I think people's thought of it, and my thought of like the 530, especially before it was like, oh, that's only just like top top name pros are like the only ones in there, and there's no value in it because I I'll just be playing like you know the best in the world, and that's not really the case. You know, it's kind of just, I don't know. That's all I wanted to say about it. So, yeah. 
That's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I would say, like, actually, the like the bigger 55, you'll run into, on average, like, a tougher player. I think, like, there won't be as much polarization. I think it'll be a lot more just, like, pretty good players in that tournament all the time. Because, like, especially on, like, the weekdays, I don't think it's at, like, a time of day, nor is it, like, a buy-in level where, like, anyone who's not that good is interested in playing in it. Right. You know, like, I, I kind of tend to think of, like, people who aren't very good but, like, want to play a tournament, they still want, like, first place to be as big as it possibly can, and they don't want to play as many people for as long. So they'll play, like, a big tournament, like the Super Tuesday 1K, where they're only playing, like, 300-something people, and they can find out in a couple hours, like, how well they're going to do. They don't have to play, like, all day through, right. like, 6,000 people and try and win, like, 20K for first, you know? So Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than making a deep run in one of those, like, and finishing, like, 28th or something. <laughs> it's just yeah. mad. <laughs> I think my best run in the 55 was actually a couple of days ago, and it was like for 27. So thanks yeah. for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to bring back the bad memories. No, and I've been doing really well lately. I can't complain at all. So, so, so speaking of live and and WSOP circuit, Derek, did you have a hand from the recent uh, event you went to? Yeah, I did, and I also wanted to kind of chris's brain and maybe yours too diego a little bit about maybe maybe uh, maybe a little bit just uh, sort of this this interesting uh dilemma that i found because I, I played six events or actually seven events while i was out there and as time went on i kind of found myself having to change or i, I found myself trying to change my game because I, I was running into the same problem every time which is as follows so th- this is literally the worst um the worst players I've ever seen in my life. And I know people like joke about how bad live fish are and all this stuff. But I think if you ask anybody who was there, they will tell you this was ridiculous. Like the number of people who were just like, their, it was their first tournament. All they've ever played in is bar leagues and stuff was amazing. Yeah. So what I, 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 kept, I had no problem progressing to say like the 200, 400 level or whatever. But then you get in these situations where you'd get like three or four limpers and you'd have say, Ace King, and you'd make it. You know, let's say you have let's say you have three limpers at 400 big blind, and then you'd make it. I don't know, 2K with Ace King, mm-hmm. and they would and they would all call, <laughs> or even one or two of them call. Yeah. But either way, the next thing you know, there's all of a sudden like a pot of, you know, seven, eight K out there, and to even continue in the hand, you kind of have to nail the flop. And I, and I found that being the case a lot, where I would I would. I would sort of make myself play these big, huge bloated pots against three or four people who I have no idea what their hands are because they're just limping and then calling raises. So that's sort of a preface because I, as, as I was moving on, I started to try to, I guess, play a little more small ball to use the famous Daniel Negreanu terminology. But I just found, I found myself trying to keep pots smaller and more manageable and try to extract value from these weaker players as opposed to putting myself in positions where I had to fold big hands that maybe were even best. But mm-hmm. um, So anyway, that sort of proceeds. So, so that, that's my thinking as I about, am about to play this hand, which is in the, um, the, this was in the $580 buy-in event. So this would have been like the fourth tournament I played, I think. And before you go on, um, yeah. I, like, I, this is a good point that I was saying with the, the 501k tournaments too online is that like I think one of the things that I wanted to say about those, and I didn't really come up with in my head, is that you're not playing pots like this. 
And, you know, people say, like, yeah. the toughest in the, the toughest field, but I, I feel better playing a tournament like that where I'm much more comfortable getting three and four bet pre than I am, like, limp, 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 I make it 5x with ace-king, call, 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 it comes six high, like, what the hell yeah. are you doing in position? So, yeah, okay. So yeah, you know, in, in those, just my experience, because um, in Fo- I play at Foxwoods a decent amount, and you have, I mean, even though... We they, Foxwoods has been around for a long time, and they've had poker for a long time. You still have a lot of the regulars or people who just show up there play the limp call style. And <clears throat> my experience there has been to just try to extract value as opposed to try to steal too much <clears throat> post, especially when you get you know you go to the flop with four people and it's a relatively coordinated board. Um, you're better off saving your chips. You know, obviously, obviously you're going to see bet in, in in certain spots, but um, you will get paid. You get paid so well when you hit a hand in in, right. in spots like that that you really want to have your chips for that those moments, um, and you want to give yourself a chance to stay around until you until you are able to extract from from those players because they, they pay you off. They don't they don't fold like you'll see people like call fold with like. 20% of their stack left. Like you, they, they, they do crazy things. And, and of course, knowing that you could put, you know, you, their, their attorney life is so, um, you know, so adverse to, to putting their whole tournament on the line, but you're, you're putting a lot of chips at risk um, quite often. Right. So you're just better off kind of playing those guys for value um, and not taking too many chances. But anyway, go ahead. All right. Sorry, Derek. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And just to follow up on what Diego said, you're right about that. Cause I actually tweeted about a guy who I think he check raised the turn on me. And, he, and his check raise was three, like three fourths of the, of the chips he had remaining, mm-hmm. and I shoved for what little more I had left, and he folded, and yeah. he was so mad, and he, yeah. he just he could he proceeded to like berate me for the next like two hours about how terrible I was. Yeah. But someone did that to Big Dog in his like most recent video too. Like someone defended a ten big blind stack, like check raised the flop for like yeah. four bigs, and then check folded the turn for like the remaining six bigs in the stack, or three, four bigs in the stack. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So weird. So anyway, so that, that brings us to this hand. And this is pretty early in the tournament. Um, we're at the 50-75 level, which is A, a weird level. And if you haven't played a circuit event, you probably, maybe have never even seen it before. No, they just um, remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually like the level. I think it's a cool level, but... I think it's dumb. Some, Give us 255 or something like that. But Well, yeah, I would certainly rather have some later levels. 125, 250 with an one. Annie would be perfect, I think, but nobody wants yeah. to do that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, like I said, we're early. Um, the villain in this hand, although we have, you know, we've been playing, I guess, uh, a little less than an hour, but I perceived him as being probably the best player at the table um, of my opponents. And it might have been more just appearance than play. Cause, you know, he was a younger kid, headphones, you know, the t- this typical internet um, player look. So it might have been partially that, maybe a little bit of, because of his play. But regardless, I felt like maybe he was competent. Um, so again, we're at 50-75. There's two limps uh, in early position. And then Villain, who's in the cutoff, makes it 300. Um, I am on the button... And I have jacks. So I guess... Well, I'll tell you what I did. You can tell me if you would have done... Well, maybe, not, maybe, maybe we'll do it the other way around. What would you guys do? How deep are you, guys? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we both have about the same number of chips, and it's around 12K. And we started with 10K. So not, not a whole lot has happened yet. You know, we've both obviously won a couple of pots, but nothing too major. So it's still early. It's 50-75. There's two limps. He makes it 300 and cut off. 
You have Jax on the button. Yeah. I'm three-betting all day. I, I think I would three-bet to, like, okay, so he's making it 300 at 75. Yeah, with the two limpers ahead of him. I think, like, my plan of action here would just be, like, making it between two and three X's open. So, like, I'd say anything between, like, 625 and, like, 900 is good. I'd say, like, 775 is the number that I would fall on. Okay. Um, yeah. I just think that, like, even though you have a strong hand and you're, like, representing strength with a strong hand, I think that um, it's better than flatting and seeing, like, a five-way pot or four-way pot. Yeah. Even though you're in position, you don't have any control of the pot, and I like that creating a dynamic where I'm being checked to instead of someone c-betting and then I'm guessing. I'd much rather have yeah. I, I love think it. 9.9 times out of 10 when you're the three-better, it's checked to you on the flop. I love it, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. I think you get rid of all the, the you know, the the garbage and, and you're able to play the hand more straightforwardly. And he's never folding. He's almost folding nothing that you're ahead, that you're, you're ahead of anyway. He's, you're going to be playing this pot in position. Um, I mean, unless he's really got junk, which I doubt he does. Um, he's probably got a hand he wants to play and you're still so deep that he's going to call and you're going to be in position against him, with, you know, with, with, a, with a pretty strong hand. So, yeah. I, I, and for, for that, plus the reasons that Chris said, it's going to be a, little, a lot easier to play this hand against just him. Um, I think what, it's great. great one great negative is that, like, you're kind of in a conundrum if you get four bet, but I would estimate yeah. that you get four bet, like, less than 5% of the time when you three bet yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and, and I would guess if he's smart enough to, like, four bet you with anything that would be less than, like, queens plus ace king then, like, good for him, but I don't, I don't think that almost ever happens here, so. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think you're going to four-bet light oh, oh, this early, and what, what was the buy-in on this again, Derek? Was this the five, 580? Five okay, so it wasn't the main event, so it's not like the guy's, uh, you know, you know more concerned with his tournament life than he would be normally. But 580 is still not, not a small buy-in for a recreational player, so I, I just don't see him, like Chris said, for betting light and without without a lot of history and without knowing that he's capable, you just can't assume he will. So you can right. fall based on that. Yep. All right. So and just to say this, the reason I I picked this hand is because I think I possibly played every street poorly. So I <laughs> I kind of I kind of thought there yeah. there would be some discussion. You know, it's funny. Um, that's the problem with t- bringing hands to the podcast. We usually bring the hands that we we don't like the way we played, <laughs> and yeah. so we know, we get a lot of crap for the hands on the podcast. Right. But it's it's okay. That's our job. Listeners probably think you're terrible. Or yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so with that being said, I decide to flat on the button with my jacks. Um, the two limpers fold amazingly. Uh, I kind of assumed they were going to call, and I was essentially playing my jacks for set value. Yeah, I was, kind of which is probably a bad way to look at it. But yeah, I was thinking if you're flatting, you're pretty much just like set mining because yeah. you're still yeah. not even comfortable if it comes like you know ten eight four. You're still not like I mean that's probably like the best flop for your type of hand. But I'm sure like the dynamic that's going to happen is you're never raising that board, so you just go call call. Yeah. Evaluate river or something like that. So. Right. All right. Yeah, so I flat uh, the two limpers, like I said, fold. So it's just me and, and the villain uh, heads up uh, with, I guess, about 800 in the pot, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, flop is 347 rainbow. And uh, he makes it, he bets 400. 
So, so what did the other guys do? They folded pre? I'm sorry. Yeah, they okay. folded. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, so we're just heads up now. Okay. And like I said, I think there's about eight ish, eight hundred or so in the pot. He and he, so he bets like half pot on a three, four, seven rainbow board. Well, I guess like if we're asking first, I would probably just flat. It's yeah. like it, it as played now. Your hand never looks like Jack's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think raising accomplishes anything except blowing him off like his air. Um, if he has like six outs against you, like which he will a good percentage of the time. That's like the only thing it does is it protects your hand from those overs. But yeah. um, the only thing I really think you accomplish is getting more value from hands like eights, nines, and tens. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. all those hands would bet most turns for you too as well. Like when you call here with jacks, I think it kind of just looks like you're floating. Yep. Because like what could you possibly have that like hits this board? I think is gonna be what's going through his mind. Right. But this is kind of like why I like three betting pre is because I think what's gonna happen is. With all those hands that we mentioned, he'd probably be calling still and just check calling this board, and he'd be check calling it for more, and like you'd be in control of the pot for like turns and rivers. Yeah, Chris, and, and um, I, I know Derek will tell us what happens here, and what, but but thinking ahead, um, as trying to formulate. So I, I agree with you on on that as well. Um, and what happens on a turn? First of all, an overcard turn. I, I assume you're, you're calling again. Obvi- I mean, pretty obviously, you're not giving up on a turn with overcards. Um, but if he checks to you, if it's if it's uh, if if it's overcards and and he checks to you, are you betting for value now, um, or are you checking back on the turn to uh, to keep the pots to, you know to keep the pot smaller? Like, what are you thinking on the turn? Uh, maybe we're going to get to that, Derek. So maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I'm trying. I'm always trying to think like what's going to happen next. You know, based on and then make decisions based on what I'm going to think I, I need to do later, too. Yeah, I, and I, I did, I was thinking about that a little bit, actually, during the hand. I remember thinking a lot on each street. It was one of those hands where I felt like I took incredibly way too long <laughs> yeah. with everything that I did. And, and I thought about, like, okay, what hands, is, you know, what hands does he have? Unfortunately, that range was pretty wide because I... Do think he's pretty competent? He's like sewing limpers and all that kind of BS. Um, but I did think about what I'm, you know, should I just raise now to avoid having to see an overcard and then have to panic about what, you know, about calling bets? But I decided, yeah, I had decided that if I saw overcards, I was just going to call again. Okay, yeah, that's what I would be thinking there too. Okay, anyway, so what um what happened? So, uh, yes, yeah, so I I just flat. So actually, I didn't play this. Part of the hand completely terrible, apparently, because it sounds like you guys yeah. thought a flat was okay here. Yeah. Um, and the turn is a five. So now we got three, four, five, seven. Uh, and it also brings a flush draw now. So I think there's two diamonds on the board now. So let's see, there's four, eight. There's about 1,600 in the pot. Um, and, the, and the board is three, four, five, seven. He checks. What do we do? I don't check back over. Yeah. There's still a bunch of value in your hand. Yep. Like, um, I, don't, I don't even think he ever plays, like, sets cautiously here. So I think, like, yeah, the value in your hand is, like, how much did you say was in the pot? Uh, around 1,600. Yeah, I don't think, like, checking back is ever a good option here. Um, just in that. Uh, you're giving like if okay so if he's like check shutting down and you bet and he just check folds I think that's actually like a pretty good outcome for the way this hand was played so far 
Um, and if he's checking, like I think his check range is split into, well, if you were to categorize it, his error would be like, you know, his ace queens and ace kings, ace 10. Yeah. I mean, like, a lot of aces are still there. And they would just check fold, and that's fine. Like, it's better than giving them a free card, like, potentially six outs to win. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think there's also value in hands that you have dominated, like, yeah. namely eights through tens already, we mentioned. Um, and he could still have, like, a fair amount of, like, since we never three-bet, like, we can't, I don't think we can take, like, seven, eight suited out of his range here. So I think there's still value in... I, there's, I don't think there definitely is value in still betting here. And I think I'd probably bet like 1K on the turn. You said there's 16 in there? Yeah. Yeah, I think like there's a good amount of value in like betting 1K on the turn. And then if he checks you on the river and you don't think he can fade like a third bet with like the hands we assigned, then like checking back the river is not so bad. But mm-hmm. like definitely betting the turn. And let's say we make it 1K on the turn. And he, what do we do if he check raises that board, three, four, five, seven? Like, are are we willing to get it in here, no, assuming never, he doesn't have a ton of sixes in his range? Never getting right. in, but um, getting check raised on the turn again, I think happens like less than one percent of like total hands. But like in this per, like particular scenario, I think it would happen like way less than ten percent of the time. So like, although you should be planning for like what your thoughts are on like what he would be doing that with. I don't think mm-hmm. it should be ever enough to, like, be a deterrent for you to bet the turn. Yeah. Right. I mean... Okay, that makes sense. Like a, he doesn't have a ton of sixes on this board, and, like, if he... I wouldn't expect, like, getting check-raised by a straight on the turn just because you're repping so so little that, like, he can't expect that you actually have a hand a lot. Like, we said one of the perks of betting the flop is that... Or, excuse me, of just calling the flop is that it looks like you're floating... So, like, I would actually think that, like, his check raise could be, like, a fair amount of, like, thinking you're on some, some BS because you were, it looks like you're floating the flop. Right. Him checking you, I think it's, like, a mandatory bet, no matter what. Yeah. And, uh, oh. and, and if you're thinking of checking back because you want to try to, you know, get your value on the river from, um, just get, get value on the river, I just don't think that you're going to be able to get any additional value on the river that you wouldn't have gotten on the turn and you lose the opportunity to get one more street of value if you still think you're good on the river. Like, the, right. you know, like you're checking back and you think that maybe you'll get a call from, from ace high on, on the river or maybe ace will bet into you. I don't think he's going to even do that once, you know, once you call the, the flop um, with, a, with, a, with a hand that would be willing to put money in on the river. Maybe the, the eights, nines, or tens, but I don't think he checks that either on the, on the turn anyway. So I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's, you know, he might, but I, I just right. don't think you're going to, you know, get your value on the river that you wouldn't get here. I could see eights right. going for like a check call on the turn. Yeah, just eights, eight, maybe those, but not not the broadways are not going to be. You know, you're you're, you're going to lose them anyway, so you know you're not getting any value from them. Uh, so you might as well get your your value here from from the eights. That's that's what I was I was trying to say. Right. Yep. Go ahead. Okay. okay. So in uh, in uh, in the fashion that I described of playing this hand terribly, I check back. <laughs> <laughs> on the turn. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty bad, honestly. Yeah. If, if You know how you have those hands where it feels bad when you're doing it? <laughs> you're just like, this is horrible, I check. And then you go, why did I just do that? Um, it felt pretty bad at the time. But just so, can, so curious, can, like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, uh, when I make mistakes, you know, I try to think back, like, what was I thinking in that moment? What, 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 do you, what were you thinking, though? Like, when, when you check back, what were you thinking 
at that point. Well, it's always good to explore. Yeah, I, in my mind, this is the way I was kind of looking at it. I'm like, okay, any six, which he doesn't have a ton of in his range, but is obviously a straight. And if I had a six, I might check this board too, if I'm him. Why are you trying um, to check? Oh, if you're him. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, trying to get six, me. All he's got is sixes, though. I mean, there's yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a ton of sixes in his range, but I also think if he does have a a true mod, you know, if he has a bigger hand like uh, aces, kings, queens, or he flopped a set, I think I would also check this board in an attempt to check raise because I don't have a lot of sixes in my range either, and he should know that. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be attempting to check raise get in aces here yeah. on this board. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, if he has sixes in his range, he probably doesn't like. Okay, so. Let's, how am I going to explain this? So, like, you don't have, if, he can't perceive you to have too many overpairs in your range here. Like, he's, I don't think he ever thinks you're just flatting jacks on the button there. Right. So, like, the perk of the way you've played this hand so far is that it doesn't look like you have jacks. So, like, he can't ever make you for having jacks. So, like, it's, that's why it's even better to bet the turn. Yeah. Because you, he can't ever expect you to have, like, hands like tens through queens here. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like... Um, I think if he was to have, like, sixes here, I think he just goes for three. And that's because, like, anything you would have called with on the, like, pre-flop, just called, and then called with on the flop, I think he would think that you connected a fair amount with the flop. So that he would, because I, it kind of, like, contradicts what I said about how it looks like you're floating, but um, I just, like, what I'm looking for here. I just think, like, if he has a six, he probably just goes for three. And if he has, like, okay. a big hand like aces, I don't think he's going to try and go for three because that board is kind of complicated. So I think just, like, betting the turn is just the best. And although, like, he will have, he will show up with, like, bigger pairs here a, like, small amount of time, but, you know, like a non-zero percentage amount of time, but I think that's actually, it's ironic in that I think it's, if he's good, he knows that if he goes with the bet check bet line, he can bet more than a thousand on the river, and get calls from you. So like if you bet a yeah. thousand on the turn, like I think it's not bad at all to go the way you played the hand. If you were to drop me in on the turn and like make me play the rest of the hand, I would bet the turn and then potentially like snap check back the river and just like get to showdown. Right. But there's okay. still value in betting the the turn for sure, and it's it's not even just the chip value, but it's also in creating the dynamic that you're not forced to a decision on the river. I think most of the time he'll just like check and potentially call the river or just check and try to go to showdown on the river against you when you bet the turn. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I kind of like the way you describe that. You know what does too is like a, a good line that I kind of like on the turn would be like, if he had bet make like a min raise or like a 2.2 X, if you're like kind of unsure about the hand, which I think we're kind of like in limbo on the hand here. You make it like 2.2x is raised. Most of the time, he checks to you, and you can snap check the river, so you don't have to face three barrels. You just face the, you make the raise on the turn to like prevent a raise a bet on the river. Yeah. I've seen that right. bunch by like people I respect a lot, and I think it's actually really great when you think about it. Yeah, people want to avoid like raising like betting a hand that they don't know if they're betting for value or not, but like they actually kind of are in that they're saving themselves like chips on the river by not facing a triple from, like, a maniac who could actually have it or not have it, and they don't know. And if you make, right. if you make that raise on the turn and he, and he raises you back again, then you, you're pretty sure that he's got something. Yeah, you could probably... Yeah, and you could just get away. Too. Yeah. But, okay, so, I'm sorry, go on to... Yep. You, you check back yeah, so, the turn. Yeah, so I check back the turn, 
Um, so we go to the river still with 1,600-ish in the pot, and the river is a jack. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> so, now, so now we've obviously river to set, uh, three, four, five, seven jack board, um, like 1,600 in the pot, and he like snap bets like 1,350. And a good spot to make it like my first guess was like forty one fifty and then like maybe fold to a jam. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's your best play. I hope you didn't you said you didn't like the way you played any street, so I hope you didn't just call because there's like no way you can just call here. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> your, uh yeah. Your line thought... makes me think that like you just really, really made him for a six and then because like he can go bet check bet with over pairs here. Yeah. You can go bet, check, bet with, like, eights, nines, and tens, thinking that, like, there should be no way that a jack hits you, and he'd be yeah. right. Because unless right. you have pocket jacks and played it as weird as you did, that's the only way you have a jack there. You don't have, like, jack seven, jack six, jack five, jack deuce, jack three in your range here ever. And you don't – you should almost never show up with a jack unless you floated ace, jack high. So, like, I think, like, he can definitely be going bet, check, bet with a lot worse than what you have. Right. And then, like, okay, so if you make him for a six, like, that's a very small percentage of his range, but now he still has, like, undersets. He still has, like, just, like, marginal pairs that, like, might call a raise. And you can put in a raise, and if he jams and you're, like, confident in your read that he has you beat, then you just, like, raise fold the river. Just seems kind of mad, but it's better. It's way better than just calling, especially in a live bird. Like, a live turn, right. I think, like, there's a, a lot of value in, like, raising that hand. Yeah, and I think that's what frustrated me about this hand is, um, well, first of all, I just called, which I think it, we all can agree is pretty terrible. And I think in hindsight, when I thought more about this hand, and I, and I was literally thinking about it at the table, you know, like for orbits later, and the number of hands that um, that I think he actually, that he calls me with, if I... Like if I just click it back or something on the river, it's like I think it's way more. Yeah, it's like every the hand basically. Um, and and I don't think and like we've discussed, I don't think he ever has a six. At least yeah. not not often enough to not go for value. No, he never. Yeah, you gotta go for value. But my big problem with this hand is that you didn't bring it up when Casey was on the podcast so he could berate you like he berates me. <laughs> That's my... <laughs> Chris is too nice of a guy. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm sure I'll hear about it later. Um, and, and in terms of results, although I know it doesn't really matter, it doesn't change the way the hand should have been played, but he had nines. So yeah. I, think I, I think I actually make way more yeah. on the hand, yep. especially in earlier streets. Like, maybe if I raise this river, he finds a fold. I don't think he does with nines, but certainly... We make more money, like th- three betting, pre. Right, because if you go if pre you three bet, he's calling you. He's never folding. Right. He's and he's probably and he's calling that he's, three four seven flop. He's check calling you on the flop. What was the turn? And the turn brought another low card. Brought a one liner to a straight. Yeah. Three four yeah. five seven. Yeah, he's still probably calling you on the turn, and he may fold the river to you. And Derek, you know what the sick thing is? Is like if okay, so it, it helps when we know exactly what his hand is. But we brought up like eights, nines, and tens, yeah. like on every street, yeah. on this, the way the sand was played. I think, yeah. like, the sick part is that if you get down your sizing when you suspect that a player has a hand like that, you can get all three streets, including, yep. like, a huge one on the river. Yeah, Because right. I think what happens far too often, and I've been, like, coaching against this, like, with a lot of people that I've been working with, is, like, 
even people that come to me and they're like profitable pros before they start, I think they're making way too big of a mistake where they're just clicking the half pot button here. So they go, mm-hmm. okay, so like a sample of way the hand would be played by someone who I think is missing value would be it's open to them pre, they three bet, guy calls, it comes three, four, seven. He checks to them, and let's say the pot at this point would be like 1,500. They bet like 750, get called. The turn brings a one-liner to a straight, and now there's like 3K in the pot, and they bet like 1,500. And they might get a guy who like side-folds nines here just because like he's under too much pressure for his stack. But even if he calls and the jack hits the river, now you have, what, almost 6K in the pot with like each person has 8 or 9K behind. They make a bet yeah. that like puts them to a decision for like pretty much their whole stack and probably get like side-folds out of nines. But you could like size this where you go, you can still get three streets by going like three betting to 750 pre, you see a flop for like 1500. Uh, you see about like one third on the flop. So you could see about like 550 on the flop. Mm-hmm. You're almost automatically getting called by nines here. Eights, nines, tens for sure. And sometimes like eight high floats out of position to be honest, just for like the curiosity factor. You see a turn like that. You can bet like small again on the turn too. Like I was thinking I'd probably bet like, 1200 into 2500 on the turn and then you can make like a big bet on the river when you actually for sure know you have the best hand and i don't think like i think the psychology behind someone calling the first two small bets on the flop and turn and then calling like a bigger bet on the river like it comes through people's minds a lot like well why the hell would i have called those first two ones if i didn't think that was good (laughs) anyway and like now fold this kind of river yeah right and i think you, you can make like a big bet on the river making it look like you have, like, overcards and you just really want this hand to, like, you know, you want the pot to be shipped your way, so you're going to make it as big as possible like you're buying it. And, like, although I feel like I used to think that flop, like, that line's, like, way too obvious, like, no one would go for that. I can't tell you how much, like, just adding that line to my repertoire has been, like, successful the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. like, I think even, I'm not, I wouldn't do it live, but I think even online, like, I might even go for, like, overbet jam the river there, like, some, depending on, like, the stack to pot ratio. And it's been, I mean, you saw it worked in the pocket jacks hand when I played it, so. Um, yeah, like you can just you can just make them think, well, why would he ever do that with a hand that has value? Yeah. Or, or you know, why, why does he want me to fold? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely had serious remorse about this hand, which, like I mentioned, is why I brought it. And, and I, I found myself uh, going through bet sizing in my head and going, God, I could have made another, like, 2 or 3K. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it also goes back to value targeting, because we brought up the nines, a bunch, like Chris said, a bunch of times. Um, and really, if we're, we're trying, if, if we're following, you know, that, that series that Andrew Brokers had about value targeting, that's our value target right there. And we really should be trying to extract the most from that hand. And right. we, we didn't play optimally for the hand that we can extract value from. Yeah, I think a little bit what I did, too, was on the river, instead of, instead of building his range through the, as the hand progressed, I kind of went backwards and I said, and I, I found a way for him to have a six, I think, basically. I, I mean, I can like, never... Like, what is he three-betting with a six pre? I mean, not, I'm sorry, not three-betting. What is he raising there with a six pre, except for sixes? Which he yeah, might, I, which he might slimp anyway, you know? Six, seven suited, potentially, if he's, yeah. like, that aggressive against pre-flop openers, which, like, I used to be, but... Uh, yeah. That's I, really, I mean, that's still, like, an incredibly small chunk. Yeah. I think that, right. you know, he could be raising, like, most pairs higher than fives. Right. 
you know, like a fair amount of like ace jacks, ace tens, ace queens, king, ace king, um, king queen, king jack, you know, like all those things I think get seven pre against a bunch of limpers, so. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think against a bunch of limpers, I, I think six seven is just going to limp. Well, you know, with, with th- two, limp, two or three limpers in the pot already, those guys just going to limp it probably. Um, the six is a really all I'm worried about, and then some six seven in a tournament like this. But mostly, I think they're they're limping too in a tournament like yeah. this. But yeah, anyway, cool, good hand. So bad bad hand onto the next yeah. one. <laughs> cool. So yeah, a couple of interesting hands there. Um, Appreciate the feedback on it, guys, and thanks for going easy on me. Uh, uh, for the next one with Casey on it, Diego, you can bring me. No, hand no, no. Please. I am not bringing another hand until, <laughs> until you get berated by Casey. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so Chris, are you? Uh, where are you now? Are you in? Are you in Canada or the or the states right now? Yeah, at the moment I'm in Windsor. You're in Windsor. Okay, so you're gonna go uh, watch some sports centre. Centre. Yeah, we were joking about how sports. That, that's one of the small differences, but like you know, sports centre is spelled with an R E instead of E R. And like the the top tens. I said it today too. Like I, I really respect that their top tens aren't like eight baseball double plays with like one dunk from a team that's out of the playoffs. Like it's it's a lot of like really good hockey, you know, yeah. goals, like breakaway goals and stuff like that. So. That's so, one thing I really like about it here. Yeah. Are, are Growing up so close to the Canadian border, are you a, a big hockey fan? Yeah, uh, yeah. Growing up, like, in like majority of my life, I think Detroit Red Wings have been in the playoffs. Like, they've been making, like, good runs. And, like, yeah, I grew up, like, a diehard uh, Red Wings fan, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not huge into hockey, but one of um, when I heard some overheard someone saying that the, the best thing about this season is that every game counts because of the, the shortened season. It's, it's made every game really exciting. Yeah, I, but like growing up um, as like my, I was a fan of a team that was in the Western Conference. The Western Conference is always like really, 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 really close going into the playoffs. So even with an 82 game season, like pretty much every yeah. game got it anyway. Right. That's lately, true. the the Central Division, which the Wings are in with like the Blackhawks and the um, the Blue Jackets, Nashville and St. Louis, and I don't think I'm missing anyone. Like that's been a really competitive. Division two, so like you can't really like slack off and like lose four games right. within your division because it, it like hurts you really bad. Right. Like things have been victims of that this year, especially too. So right, cool. Well, if we if we do too much more hockey uh, talk, we'll, we'll be re- uh, ripping off the two plus two poker cast. <laughs> well, yeah, good point. <laughs> well, next time we have you on, we can talk uh, Lions football. That'll be exciting. Oh, good God, I don't want to. <laughs> Hey, Chris is going to decline every invitation during the football season. No, I mean, I love the Lions. I was a season ticket holder there for a long time, but just, like, I don't know. It's exhausting to talk about. They, like, they have one good season, I get excited, and then we just, like, do shitty last year. And, like, it, last year just started to feel like a lot, like, all the years previous, too. So yeah. Hey, Jets, Jets fan over here, so don't um, cry me a river. We got <laughs> yeah, but like, we're like Jets fans minus expectations. That's like, true, right? <laughs> you, guys, you guys start every season like we're gonna win the Super Bowl this yeah. year. Like, we're gonna go undefeated, and like, could yeah. this be the year? Like, nope. Yeah. Never. Yeah, yeah it's it's awful. And and uh, I'm of course a uh, Ravens fan, so. Yeah. Good for you. No, not really. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe. that's my that's my new thing though. Like, like when when the Blackhawks run, I don't watch hockey, but when they're on that some sort of sick run where they're like winning twenty games in a row or something, mm-hmm. I was I, I was posting on Facebook stuff like, oh, good, great to see my beloved Blackhawks doing well. <laughs> like now I just adopt whatever team is on a sick heater. Like go Heat! <laughs> I'm so glad to have been a lifelong fan. <laughs> hey, I will say the Knicks though. 
Knicks are finally good again. So that that's that's never heard of them. <laughs> when uh, when I was in high school, I think the World Cup was going on. I want to say like my junior year in high school, and the Italy won. I think the World Cup that year, and I had never known how many people from just Utica, Michigan, were diehard Italians <laughs> like, until after they won that. Like so proud to be an Italian. I love my country. Like really, you're Italian. You were. Yeah. Your parents don't speak a lick of it, and you were born here. I didn't. I didn't know you were that 100% Italian. So. Yeah. Well, I have enough vowels in my name that I do reserve the right to uh, go crazy when the Italians win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, once again, congratulations on all your recent success. Um, thank you. Great having you as a pro. Remember to follow Chris at the uh, at the Chris Moon um, on Twitter. Very entertaining, and uh, and uh, continued good luck. Uh, thanks a lot. I just wanted to also say, have me on any time. You know, thank God Jen Tilly canceled today, so that I can be on. <laughs> um, but also uh, wanted to wish a happy third birthday to Tournament Poker Edge. I didn't know you guys were uh, turning three today. Yes. Yes, it's a big day. Ah, thank you very Thank much. you very much. Yep. Thank you for being a part of it and, and, and continuing to make great videos. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. All right, we'll take, a, uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and wrap things up here on the TPE Podcast. Back to the TPE podcast. Want to give a big thanks to Chris Moon for stopping in and uh, talking strategy. But also, I thought one of the most interesting aspects of that was to hear him talk about, you know, a little bit about his process of, of playing poker in Canada and stuff like that. I find that interesting. I, I I could sit there and talk to him for thirty minutes about that. I think. Yeah, I don't think we uh, I don't think we've had um, relocators on yet. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, so it's been it's, it's interesting. I know I know. I know there's some members in the forum who are relocating or who have relocated, um, so it, it's it's pretty cool to get get that perspective and hear from a professional what he's doing. 
yeah. um, in, in regards to that and what the life is like. And, and although he has a pretty sweet, I got to say, uh, being able to, to go um, anytime you want across the border with minimal effort is, is right. a great situation to be in. Yeah, still being close to family yeah. and friends yeah. and stuff like that. It's a pretty ideal setup. And I know um, Jamie Kerstetter moved or, or you know, occasionally goes overseas to play poker. So we'll uh, we'll have to get her on at some yeah. point, too, and kind of get her take. Because, obviously, it might be a little bit of a different scenario for somebody like Chris, who's just you know going across the border in his hometown, essentially, as opposed to Jamie, who's, I'm assuming, you know, yeah. flying. Yeah, picking and, up her and, whole life and... Yeah, and into a different, you know, a different country. I, I, I don't know what the the border crossing is like for different countries, but I'm assuming it could be different for, say, Mexico than Canada or something. So, yeah, um, yeah, I want to get more of a peek, but definitely was good having. Yep. having this so, song. would you learn from the hand uh, analysis? Um, I think the biggest thing from from my specific hand was um, that you. It, it's hard to get chips in these tournaments. You know what I mean? It's hard to to find hands where you can actually make money. I mean, how many times do we get aces? And we're yeah. like, oh, I got aces, and everybody folded. You know, yeah. um, it, it's not easy to find situations where you can make money. And when you do get in them, you have to get maximum. Yeah. Like you have to really think through the hands and find the ways to get as much value. Yeah. As have, have you watched the value targeting series? Yes. Okay, I was going to say because that's a great series for exactly yeah. that. That's always in my mind now. Um, you know, what am I getting value from and what, how can I get the maximum value from that? Um, yeah. And then Andrew's other series that Chris also referenced in terms of categorizing and classifying the types of hands. What does he do with monsters? You know, how does he play monsters? How does he play draws? How does he play showdown value made hands? Um, right. Really great, you know, has helped me a lot um, in my recent good success online um, has helped me a lot. So, so I, I, I think, yeah, I think he just missed a lot of, Missed a great opportunity to get value there. Those are the things yeah. basically, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't really think I could have gotten less out of the hand yeah. than I got. <laughs> like, I guess maybe by, not, I mean, not even by flatting pre yeah. do I get more because he probably calls pre. So, yeah. like, yeah, I, I cost myself chips on every screen. Yeah, you know, one thing, though, I'm like starting to just, you know, no one plays perfectly. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. You know, you really got to be aware. You got to be able to, like, you know, figure out your mistakes, though, but, but it's okay to make mistakes as long as you're working on them, you know? Right. Yeah, the hand I, the yeah. hand I mentioned in the before we jumped on with the with the you know where I tried to rep the king, um, I think I learned a lot about you know what I learned a lot. Or if you recall, I know it was a while ago at this point, but I I tried to rep a king on a on a turn when the king came on the turn, and and the guy um, you know in in thinking about it later, I, you know I doubt he he ever has a hand he's folding there given the stack sizes and what what the way the hand pl- played out, and and the fact that I probably. Um, um, I'm not sure how many kings I have in my range. Um, you know, well, I guess I, I could, but anyway, anyway, the point, the point, I don't have to get into the details. The, the point is, um, you know, I, what I identified as my biggest issue there was that I kind of just, you know, latched onto the first theoretical construct that came to my mind, which was repping an overcard, right. you know, yeah. but it wasn't the right, like in, in a lot of situations, repping the overcard is, is absolutely pr- super profitable, the right thing to do, but I, I apply, misapplied it. Um, uh, and yeah. that's and that's what I'm tr- you know I learned a lot there I I can tell you I'm probably never making that mistake again because it you know I, I've thought about it now and I brought right. it to people and I felt awful for a couple of days about it you know so it's you know yeah I, I remember when you first told me about that hand and 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 when you said oh and then the turn was a king and we were both just like 
oh, perfect card to yeah. represent. You know, of course you bet there. Yeah. And then I think it was actually when I got to North Carolina, I think I, like, hit you yeah. up on Skype or something. I'm like, you know, I was thinking about that hand yeah. again. Yeah, think about it. All the, the twos, the fours, and sixes are, are sets now. The yeah. overcards are probably – I mean, we have enough in the in the pot that and, and I'll, uh, that he's probably not, like, folding a sevens or eights there, right? I mean, you know um, – the f- maybe he folds threes. I don't even know if he does because he's got the, the the draw, and we're we're getting shallow. Like it's yep. you know there's there's a lot there um, that he's calling. I don't think he's floating me. I had to re- recognize that. But but the point was that that you know the first thing, like you said, the first thing came. Oh, what a great card to rep. But I'm not. I didn't think it through. I just kind of I thought through the first thing that went in my head, and I've been really good at not doing that. And so that's that's uh that's something I'm you know. I learned, and I'm never going to do that again because I'm, think, yeah. I'm thinking about it a lot, you know. So, so. Well, like we say, as long as we're always thinking and learning, yep. we're doing something right. So. Yep. Cool. Cool. Well, like I said, thanks, uh, thanks, Chris, for coming in and criticizing and critiquing. Yep. Always appreciated. Um, let's talk a little bit about what we got going on over TPE right now. Yeah. So um, a couple of uh, great series, uh, both just ended and and, and starting up. Um, so Casey Jarzebeck's uh, the first Sunday Million series uh, that uh, he's reviewing from his uh, sick back-to-back wins uh, or chops. It went up. He actually reviewed the second one first. Um, made a mistake when he loaded up hand free. <laughs> he just went with it. It doesn't matter. They're both, you know, relevant. Um, and so he, uh, he th- that first series just ended last week, um, immediately followed by uh, Riverman123, once again, a, f- a former TP member who is now a TP pro, um, with a live sweat, which is uh, really interesting. And then Andrew Brokos uh, reviewing a deep run in a W Coop, um, which we've brought his name up many times so far this um, this this podcast and with good reason his videos always uh, really good and perform well um, and his uh, that that series is running right now um, and aside from that I have a set of videos from our newest pro and his name is blank blank um, <laughs> you'll know him from his wins in the blank blank and the blank blank <laughs> both live and online um, <laughs> sorry I'm just being a tease uh, it, it it, um, yeah, we're not going to announce him on this podcast, but we will be announcing him very soon, and, and his first series will be up right after this uh, this one, and he's a big name, and we're excited about him, and he's a great player. I watched his first video, and I – put it this way. There's no secret because he talks about it. He decided in this – first of all, he – I'll give a hint. Um, he won um, a multi-entry 1K F-tops. Um, and he took, he also, and he brought in a stack into, and, and took, I think he had like an eight, he took ninth place because he brought two stacks to the final table. So if right. you look that up, you might get a hint of who it is. Um, and, uh, and so, I mean, you know, it's a huge, I mean, there's, you know, thousands of people in a, in a one K it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, and he starts off by saying he lost, a, he lost at a final table, um, to aggressive player, previously in a big high profile live event and uh and he studied his game worked in his game and he came into this tournament determined not to ever call or to call very infrequently to always three better fold and so yeah. so he plays with some pretty sick aggression and, and, it, and it obviously works for him um so very excited about that and that's coming too pretty soon cool can't wait to watch it yep. Yep. that will be definitely good stuff yep and then uh we're all just kind of Getting ready for uh, for the World Series. Yeah, it won't be long now. Will not be long so, now. Uh, 
and then we'll start uh, rolling out TPE live podcasts. Yep. So you'll actually get more than like one podcast a month yep. <laughs> at <Yep>. that point. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you'll get to hear us come back to the house and complain about our awful day and then the the inevitable deep run that someone has or even win um, will be yep. fun there as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, tune in next time and we will officially – I would assume by then be able to announce who our new pro is and you never know they might even be on that episode yep. so we'll uh, we'll see if we can make that happen uh, in the meantime head over to tournamentpokeredge.com check out the videos and uh, we'll see you guys all next time right here on the TPE podcast happy anniversary woohoo <laughs> later buddy <laughs> Love nobody. Everybody, everybody.